Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the official England podcast. Yes, it is match day, people. It is time for arguably the biggest fixture since that World Cup semi-final against Croatia in 2018. The script has been written and it's now time for the players to step out onto the hallowed turf that is Wembley Stadium. I'm Adam Smith and I'm here to bring you everything you need to know ahead of England versus Germany at five o'clock this evening. I really do have an episode that'll make you proud to be English with some world-class guests waiting in the wings for you Three Lions fanatics. So stick the kettle on, iron the England shirt, press pause on Three Lions, finish watching Mike Bassett, England manager. Get your England bunting at the ready, put those flags on your motor and let me fill you in on everything we have coming up on this match day special show. I'll be bringing you my highly anticipated match day segment. Yes, Smithy's stat attack is back to give you all the insight on the opposition. We'll hear from Kyle Walker, who joins Josh Denzel in the Lions' Den before hopping on the coach. Wear the shirt with pride uh, and get this country where it wants to be, and that's into you know the next round. Gareth Southgate and Harry Kane faced the media's questions. We'll bring you the best bits. Fantastic game to be involved in and a real opportunity for us to, to progress to a quarter-final. We'll be checking in on what's been said about this fixture from the diary room. It's knockout stages now. We need to maintain our focus and taking the big moments in games, big moments in football matches, and we have lots of players who can produce that, so it's one that we're looking forward to. I caught up with a former defender who represented the Three Lions 78 times. Yes, Stuart Pearce. You know, I know he's a friend of mine, but I'm very proud to have him as manager of our country. I really am for everything he stands for. And speaking of former England defenders who played 78 times for the Three Lions, I also spoke exclusively to former skipper and, quite frankly, a legend of the game, John Terry. I genuinely believe we're going to have too much from on paper, whether that's over 90 minutes or, or in extra time. Not a bad lineup, eh? Let's get cracking. You're listening to the official England podcast. The players are starting to wind down the training before the big fixture this evening. Yesterday, they had their final training session before travelling down to London for the game. This training session was partially live streamed across England's social media channels. So you can go and check that out whenever you see fit. At the time of listening, England's Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell have both rejoined the squad and are available for selection after isolating from the rest of the camp for 10 days. It's great to have the lads back. 
Now, not a single day has passed since the podcast began where I don't get a letter through the post, a WhatsApp message on my phone or a DM on social media pleading with me, yes, begging me to bring back the Smithy Stat Attack section. So, back by incredibly popular demand in my head and my head only, let's hit you with some hard stats and fill you in on everything you need to know about today's opposition. Smithy Stat Attack! Yes, it is so important. It now has its own jingle. I'm absolutely all over that. So, Germany or West Germany have won the Euros on three occasions. No team has won the title more times. Incidentally, Spain have also won it three times. Germany's three group stage games at Euro 2020 produced 11 goals, six scored and five conceded. Only Portugal's matches saw more goals scored. That was 13. This is the third meeting between England and Germany at the European Championships. Germany winning 6-5 on penalties following a one-all draw in the 1996 semi-final before England winning 1-0 in the group stages at Euro 2000. This will be the 13th meeting between England and Germany at Wembley Stadium. England winning four of the first five such games, including the iconic 1966 World Cup final. But England are winless in their last seven games against the Germans at the National Stadium. England have never won a European Championships knockout match in 90 minutes, drawing four and losing two. Four games have gone to penalties, with England only progressing once via this method. That was against Spain at Wembley at Euro 96. I don't know why I'm reading this stats out. Anyway, moving on. Germany have reached at least the semi-final in each of the last three editions of the European Championships. As for their players, Ilkay Gundogan has scored twice at Wembley Stadium. For Borussia Dortmund in the 2013 Champions League final and for Manchester City in the Premier League. He could become just the second player to score at the ground for a club side and the German national team after Per Mertesacker. Should he score in this game, Kai Havertz would become the first ever German to score in three consecutive European Championship matches. With regards to England, Raheem Sterling has scored 14 goals in his last 19 appearances for his country. He's in some great form, isn't he? And England were one of just two sides that didn't concede a single goal throughout the group stages, the other team being Italy. Only at 1966, the World Cup, have the three Lions began a major tournament with four straight shutouts going on to win the tournament on that occasion. That is a stat I like the sound of. Josh Denzel was ready and waiting for the lads to head off from St George's Park. For his special departure episode of the Lions Den, he was joined by fullback Kyle Walker. Here's what they spoke about. It's good to see you. How are you? Yeah. Obviously, it's been long six days. Long six <laughs> yeah. days where we've had a good time to prepare and everything for the game. So it's a big stage tomorrow. We need to go and deliver. Like us, I mean, as fans, you must have watched some of the, the last 16 ties already. How how you how do you feel about it? You, is it? Is it good preparation to know who we could possibly face? Yeah, I think as you say, as I just said, Dane, we've got a lot of time yeah. where we're sat, you know, doing very little except when we're on the training field. So to watch the games, it's good, and obviously to see your opponents and to do a bit of research on them and watch how they play, it's good. Obviously, the Netherlands going out was a little bit of a shock to us all, but. Belgium and Portugal it was going to be a, you know, a toss of a coin and um, congratulations to Belgium I mean six, six days or so that you've been, uh, been prepping for have you done any specifics for Germany has it, been, has it been all specifically positional staff has it been individual battles how's it work 
No, it's, it's balancing, you know, it's getting a little bit of time where you can put in the load and get your fitness, you know, keep your fitness yeah. going. But also downtime and preparing for it tactically. Um, listen, the Germans are a good team with uh, good players in key areas, we know that. So we've done a lot of research, looked at where their weaknesses is and where we can, you know, strengthen our game and really capitalise on that, really. We we know, like, it, we, we know these players, you know, if anyone who watches the Premier League watches the league, watches the Bundesliga, yeah. you, you've played against a lot of them, does, does that help? Of course it helps, it gives you that, um, you know, the little bit of knowledge that you need when you're coming up against these, you know, world-class players that they are. Um, obviously I play with Gundo at Manchester City, so you know him very I know well. what he's about, I know what his strengths, his weaknesses are, um, and, you know, played a lot against a lot of them in the Champions League final. Um, so hopefully we can just go and do the nation proud. That's the main thing, you know, wear the, wear the shirt with pride uh, and get this country where it wants to be and that's into, you know, the next round. What was the immediate reaction when you found out it was Germany? Were you all watching it together? Did you all find out together or is it an individual thing where it just rockets through the group chat? Uh, it went through, you know, obviously the camp and everything, you, you know that and you, we have a WhatsApp group where the lads were texting, but... Um, Whoever, whoever we face, we can't be scared. We can't be scared of anyone. With the team that we've got here, with what we've achieved over the last couple yeah. of years, we, we can't be afraid of no one. You know, people should be worried of us. But let's not get arrogant. Let's not get too overconfident. Um, play with a little bit of arrogancy. That's what you need in these tough games. But, you know, keep our feet firmly on the ground and just prepare as we have done. And hopefully sure. that will keep us in good stead. Listening to the official England podcast. Ahead of the round of 16 fixture, Gareth Southgate and Harry Kane both faced the media's questions yesterday. It's always great hearing from the gaffer and the skipper. Previous series, we've always talked about the past and um, teams and their records and baggage and everything else. And there's no reason for these uh, boys to feel that way. Um, most weren't born when a lot of those games happened. Um, it's, a, it's an irrelevance for them. So. I think uh, we're all looking forward to the game tomorrow. We know it's a fantastic game to be involved in um, and a real opportunity for us to, to progress to a quarter-final. Um, big opponent with, with uh, excellent pedigree and great experience, but a game we're really looking forward to. We feel confident. We've, we've had a good uh, start to the tournament. Uh, areas we can improve for sure, so hopefully we can take that into tomorrow night. The most important thing for me is that we're winning games. The first objective was to qualify, which we've done. The second is to now try and reach a quarter-final, so uh, whether I'm scoring, uh, the most important thing is that we're winning, so that's what I'm focused on tomorrow night. That's all the team are focused on. However, however we get it done, um, that's our main objective, and um, yeah, we'll do everything in our power to, uh, to get through. The Three Lions diary room has been a hive of activity again this week, with Harry Maguire, Calvin Phillips, Tyrone Mings and Harry Kane all stopping by to tell us how they're feeling ahead of today's big match. The fact we're playing Germany in the next round is exciting, I think is our over overriding emotion. It's a massive game, but it's a knockout game in, in a ma major tournament, so it's always going to be massive no matter who you play. 
it's knockout stages now. We need to maintain our focus and taking the big moments in games, big moments in football matches, and we have lots of players who can produce that. So it's one that we're looking forward to. The kind of history and rivalry of England Germany is, and it's such a huge game. It's such a historic game, and for it to be played at Wembley, I think it's going to be a fantastic occasion. I think we've got more fans in that game as well, so that will add to the occasion. Obviously, England Germany have had history over the past in, in big tournaments. We have to respect Germany because they're a great team. They've got great individual players. I'm sure there'll be a few nerves come the game, but we'll, we'll be doing our best to, to win the football match and, and get the victory for our country. We are a proud nation and we've got a really, really exciting team and we want to go far in the tournament. We're, we're blessed with serial winners in this squad, so I'm excited for the game and I'm excited for the occasion as well. Obviously, this game's a massive game for us and... You know, we're looking forward to it, but we know that we have to work hard to get the rewards and, you know, we've been doing that throughout the week. This is why we play football. We, we want to play in these biggest games with the most pressure and, yeah, the, 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 the lads are excited. We always feel that this is our moment now. This is our time to shine and hopefully we can go and do that on Tuesday. You're listening to the official England podcast. I'm pleased to say joining me on the official England podcast now is a former England legend, a man who represented the three lines at Italian 90, Euro 92 and Euro 96 with 78 caps, five goals to his name, including that iconic celebration in a penalty shootout win over Spain at Wembley. It is, of course, Stuart Pearce. Stuart, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, mate? My pleasure. Yeah, all well, thanks. Really good. Good, good. Now, of course, lots to talk about with you in the build-up to the Germany game. But as a man who played in, well, so many iconic games, particularly for England against Germany, it only feels appropriate that we start with taking a little trip down memory lanes. So wanted to ask you about your memories of playing for England against Germany and just how special this fixture is. Um, well, when I've played against them, it's always been a really, really big game. I mean, yeah. I've come, I think I've sort of I've come on as a substitute in one of my earlier caps away in Germany, but um, sort of just for the last 10, 15 minutes or so. But in the main, the, the two big games that I've played against them have been penalty, uh, gone to penalties, mm. ended up going to sort of semi finals, uh, European Championships or World Cup. So they've been real high profile games as such. And Really tight affairs as well, you know, not much in it between the teams. Italian 90 was such a, I mean, such an iconic tournament. Of course, that was a semi-final loss to Germany on penalties. And um, I mean, I know, unfortunately, you missed one, but then you went on to take another penalty against Spain and Germany and scored them. So how much courage did that take, having missed a penalty against Germany, to then take two massive penalties and score them both? Um it was an interesting one. It probably taught me a lot, the, the penalty in 90 about sort of, you know, when when I sort of going forward, um, certainly when I was in control of the England under-21s and the preparation mm. that we went into, then the detail we went into in penalty preparation on the back of the penalty I missed in 90, you know. So I've always been one of those sort of people, if, if I do suffer a bit of adversity, I sort of try and get, draw out the best side of it if you like it and uh, probably if anything it, it sharpened my focus to, to want to be successful with the next penalty I took. And I've got to ask you about that iconic celebration, quite a few iconic celebrations in Euro 96, you think back to the, the Gaza dentist chair but of course your one after that penalty, what, what was the emotion there, was it excitement, was it relief because I, I just remember that that shot of your face and it was just so iconic. Yeah, I think Gazza's probably had the uh, the best celebration. Yeah. Make no mistake about that. <laughs> and the better goal, by the way. Uh, yeah, it was um, 
probably relief and whatever, yeah. not, nothing pre-planned or whatever, but we were sort of so close and we were sort of on a wave, really, the team were, you know, and just mm. felt as though we were, you know, had a real chance of potentially going all the way. I mean, that was the Spain game and... Uh, mm. You know, in that game, it, there weren't much between the two sides, but we knew with Dave Seaman in goal, we had every chance of, of progressing to the next round. Yeah, what would you say was your, your favourite moment in an England show? As I said earlier, 78 total caps, 14 caps at major tournaments. I think it lasted over 12 years, so you had some, mm. some great moments. If I had to push you for a, a standout moment that Stuart Pearce had in, in an England show, what would it be? It will be leading the team out at Wembley against France and being the captain. Wow. I think captain in England is is a massive honour. You know, it is fantastic to represent your country, especially where you consider where I've come from. You know, from I used to work at Wembley as a kid in the bars. You know, before Amazing. games and stuff like that, and I, I worked in the borough and didn't come into the game till late. But to actually manage to get to to captain your country is something very special. When you are captain in your country, do you think back to that moment when you're working at Wembley and, and it, is, is it a, a pinch yourself moment? I think it shapes you, you know. Right, it, right. I'm, I'm quite humble as a person in regard to, to whatever I've done and whatever I haven't done in the game, you know, but it, it shapes you and it makes you, you appreciate your time that much more, I would say, you know, and certainly looking back on the tournaments that, that I've sort of, played in and got to and the appearances for England, all of those are borne out through in the main hard work rather than natural ability, I think. Interesting. Right, let's look ahead to uh, this tournament. Firstly, before we talk about the game, what have you made of the tournament so far? It's a very interesting one, isn't it? With obviously mm. a lot of the protocols in place and of course the fact that they're taking place in a lot of different cities around Europe. So what have you made as a viewer, as a fan of this tournament so far? Um, well, I've sort of been on the inside of it. I mean, I've been at every every game at Wembley uh, yeah, that England that. have played and, and covered a few others off tube as well. So um, I've really enjoyed the tournament, I've got to say. I think the tournament has lost a little bit of something not having it in one country. Okay. But the fact of, because of the pandemic and COVID and one thing and another, maybe it was a wise move, you know, because mm. supporters couldn't travel. You know, when I've been on the ground at tournaments, both as a player and, and as a member of the press corps, the, the atmosphere in certain countries with the tournament there has been fantastic. I think we've lost a little bit of that, okay. you know, with the amount of people that would travel normally. I'll give you a great instance. When I was in Russia three years ago for the World Cup, there was about 20,000 Peruvian fans in the centre of Moscow partying, you know, with, yeah. with the Russian fans, with the English fans. It was fantastic, you know, and... I think we've lost a little bit of that, having the tournament spread around Europe. But what I would say from a footballing spectacle, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been a good tournament and a really wide open tournament as well. I still think there's maybe five or five or six countries that have got the ability to win this tournament. Yeah, I'd agree with that, actually. And a similar question, really, uh, what have you made of England specifically in the tournament so far? I mean, the big thing that you look at with England, I suppose, is not a single goal conceded as a former defender. That must be a real positive that you look at. Yeah, going into the tournament, that was my my sort of question mark I had. Would we be good enough defensively to, to see games out? Now, you can't do any more than not concede a goal in the, uh, in the group stages. I think defensively, we've looked pretty sound. Uh, I always feel as though we've got enough natural ability to get a goal from somewhere, and that will come, and it will come more readily as we go on in the tournament. Um, 
I, and the Scotland game where people got a little bit fidgety about the Scotland mm. game, but that is, I've played in three or four England-Scotland games and none of them have been pretty on the eye. I can assure you that, you know. So mm. I think that's almost a standalone fixture, you know, aside from the Euros. That's so interesting you said that because we had Adam Lallana on recently. He said exactly the same thing. He said he played in three England-Scotland games and that they are mm. different fixtures. So so it's, it's interesting that you said that. Did you find that as a player then that sort of England games and results are magnified either way if you win or you lose in terms of how much of a, a deal is made out of an England performance? A hundred percent. I mean, really, it's, yeah, yeah it, it, it goes off the Richter scale when we mm. do reasonably well and it goes off the Richter scale when... When we don't deliver what the, pe- the 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 people of the country think we should be, mm. but the good thing we've got, I think, there's a an element of levelness within the squad, and more importantly, I think the manager is very level-headed. You know, Gareth mm. will be the first one not to get too excited, you know, and be very very measured in his assessment of, of performances. The same way he will when, you know, people think that the performance should have been better. Gareth is very level with that. And I think that's a major plus of his. Did you always see that in Gareth? Obviously, you play with him. You know him so well. Did you always see those leadership qualities? He was a real leader as a player, wasn't he? Did you always see that? And you thought that he would go on to be to be a leader at manager level as well when he was playing? Yeah, he was, he was a leader as a player. He, he was um, always very measured in... in in his approach to the game, I've got to say, very professional in his outlook. And I, I think he's a great statesman to lead. But, I'm, you know, I know he's a friend of mine, but I'm very proud to have him as manager of our country. I really am for everything he stands for, not just what he's, the, you know, the product that he's delivered on the pitch. I think everything he stands for as a man makes me quite proud to have him as uh, head of our national game. That's a lovely answer. I totally agree with you as well. Um, okay, let's look at the tactical battles then. England against Germany. Uh, how? Where do you think this game will be sort of won and lost for England? Where are the key areas for you in this game? Um, I, I think probably in both defences, which defence can handle the opposition's attack the best. Mm. Um, Gareth will have to decide whether he's going to match up a potential three at the back of the Germans, you know, and, and change our system from yeah. a, a four to a three. The beauty of uh, of the team, I think they can do that seamlessly. So it's mm. not a problem. They can even do it during the course of the game. So if they decide they need to change things. And I, I think the energy that our team have got, we're a very athletic side, very good. And it's just a tactical approach of the Germans, whether they decide to sit back on us or take us on. If they take us on, I think physically, um, we are very good on the counter-attack. And... Mm. A big thing about the modern day game as well is is what what you utilise from the bench. You know, we saw it yesterday in the Italian game. Um, yeah, very true. Yeah. You know, and I said this before the tournament. Modern day football, you can change half your team now. Mm. So if you don't get your team selection right, as long as you're quick and you're cute with your substitutions, you can always rectify any problems that occur during match action. You mentioned there about the, the formation. A lot's been made about that, of, of Germany's threat with wingbacks. Do you think Gareth might um, tinker with the formation for this game? Putting you on the spot a little bit with this question, I realise. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm more inclined to think that he'll play to our strengths. Right, OK. Certainly at the start of the game. You know, I think that 
our fullback can pin their the, the key with when you play against a team with win backs is try and pin them back to make mm. them into a five, you know. So I think we've got enough attacking threat in the A wide areas and B from fullback areas to pin their wing backs uh, back a little bit more. So you know, I think this is a really tight game to call. I think in time gone by, some of the German teams I've played against have been, I think, better than the German team that, that are going to line up against us on Tuesday. But that's not to say that it, it's not going to be a really tough challenge. And, and you know, it's a toss of a coin. Who yeah. handles the occasion? Who takes their opportunity? And who, who doesn't make a mistake within the game, you know? Yeah, and of course, England v Germany, we do know that the game, because it's a knockout game, could go to penalties. I hate to harp back mm. on penalties with all my questions, but obviously it is something that, that, that could happen. As someone that's been involved in some of the most iconic penalty shootouts that I can ever think of, how much importance do you think Gareth will be placing on practising penalties? And how can you replicate that scenario? I mean, you've spoken earlier about some of the penalty shootouts you're involved in. How do you replicate that experience in an empty training pitch? It, it just seems like it's very tough to do from the outside. It's not. That's the trouble. I mean, people write it off as though it being just a lottery. It's, it's anything but a lottery. When you look back at England's uh, penalty takers in major tournaments that haven't scored, and I include Gareth's name in this, Gareth, David Batty, Carragher, um, you can go on and there's a list of names and a lot of those are non-taking penalties for their, they don't take penalties for their clubs. So they were put up to take a penalty with no analysis done whatsoever on whether they're good or bad at taking a penalty. It's just a volunteer or, a, you know, or you're, you're next in line, let's say. Certainly during my time at the FA, that was all changed. And right. Gareth will be the same. Put it this way, you've only got a look in, in 2018 when uh, Jordan Pickford takes one of the five penalties, the only reason a goalkeeper takes one of the five is because you've done hours of practice and you know that Jordan is one of your best penalty takers. Mm, Interesting. So that tells me it's no longer a lottery penalties. You know, it's it's, it's almost becoming an exact science. I mean, I'll give you a stat, for instance. I know that Joe Hart, in my care, I think he faced 350 penalties and I know his save ratio was 17%, you know. The only reason I know that is because we practised after training every day and because Gareth's got the same history as me, let's say, missing Mm. a penalty, it's very acute on his mind, you know. And I know that that team and the analysis team that worked there, Steve O'Brien and Mm. Mike Baker, done my God, when they were with me, they must have got bored sick of looking into penalty shootouts really? around the world and everything. Wow. To look at the, the, the key stats, the key penalty takers, which ones are more crucial than others, mm. are left-footed players more likely to miss than right-footed. All of those details has gone into, you know. it's When you consider, I've only been to three tournaments, as you mentioned before, and two mm. of those I come home on a penalty shootout. So yeah. 66% of the time, a penalty shootout has sent me home. So Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Sure. I was, I was, when I was doing my research before this, I was reading a lot of, of articles that, that you'd, you'd have spoken about. I don't want to misquote you, but I believe you said that you hope our game goes to penalties on Tuesday night. Have, have, I, have I got that right? You, you'd quite like England's game to go to penalties against Germany. And is that because of your relationship you've had with Gareth and you've seen firsthand from being involved in the FA and coaching that the work and the preparation that does go in now compared to... What, what might have been say? The answer to your question is both. If we if we can't beat Germany over 90 minutes or extra time, I'd be quite happy to go into penalties because okay. I've got a real confidence in, in Gareth's preparation with the squad. Mm. 
So I, I've got no problem with that. And I, I, I wouldn't fear penalties. That is for sure. I would, I would say, look, if at the end of a penalty shootout, we don't win it, it's not because of preparation. Whereas time in the past has gone by where it was a, a sh- in both penalty shootouts that I was involved in, I think it was sheerly down to a lack of preparation. Wow, it's interesting to hear that. Um, and I wanted to ask you, because you're so well-placed to answer this as someone who's been a player, a coach, a manager, um, and of course, working in the media within tournaments. So, so you, mm. you've seen every side of it. How do things ramp up now? And how does the tone change now that we are in the knockouts? Is, is there a more serious approach to things tr- change in training? Can you just sort of give us an insight into how that changes now? It's fair to say the old saying goes, and I'll tone it down just in case we've got any uh, younger viewers. The doo-doo has <laughs> hit the fan now, let's say. <laughs> I love how you answered that. That's not the phrase I know. <laughs> <laughs> when when you're playing group stages, you've got a second chance normally, um, especially if you win the first game like England did. They knew, they knew they only had to win, well, with three teams going through, they only needed a point from two games so put them in a very strong position uh you know psychologically we're in a situation now where you you don't get a second chance you know you're in or you're out and it's that ranks up the pressure on your team uh, and all teams that are in it and I think if you want an example of that the Italians were outstanding in the group stages and all of a sudden they, they looked half the team yesterday in the game against Austria, I thought, you know, and some of that, not all of it, some of that will come down to the pressures of of knockout football. Mm, Interesting. I've got to ask you, you just finished a great season with David Moyes at West Ham as well. One of the players that you'd have been uh, keeping a close eye on is Declan Rice. So I just wanted to get insight really into into what he's like in training because he seems so focused and a real key player for England. Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic to work with Deck. You know, I was fortunate enough to be at West Ham, I think, three three and a bit years ago when he made his debut, I think, under Dave at the time. And he's matured. He, he learned some tough lessons when he first got in the team, but he had that unshakable attitude to want to get better with a bit of adversity, you know, and it was, you know, really good to watch, watch him flourish as a young player. Then to go back in this year and work with him, He's been fantastic for us at the club and, and you know, rightly so. He, he, Gareth picks him. He's, he's on the uh, team sheet all the time, played most games or started all the games, if you like. And he's just a great kid to work with. He's always got a smile on his face, always got a, you know. But when it's time to, to turn the switch and be professional on the training ground, he's got that about him as well, which is really good. Yeah, top player. And finally, I've been asking all the players this week what they've been up to in their downtime because there's an array of things for them to do at St George's Park, computer games, basketball, golf, all of that. So what was Stuart Pearce doing in his downtime? Was it very different back in in Euro 96? I know you had some characters in that team, so I'm just intrigued to know what you did to keep yourself busy. Yeah, we were, I'll tell you what, we we had a film club on the go. So myself, Tony Adam, in those days you couldn't downstream stuff and all no, that. No, of course. So yeah. The latest-ish films were, <laughs> were shipped into us on, on sort of wow. cassette thing. So we used to have a film club of an evening. Um, Gareth was involved in that. Or we used to play a game called Hearts, which is a card game yeah. that's four people, a little bit of tea and scones in the afternoon. Oh, nice. Obviously, yeah. uh, when Terry gave us a day off, I managed to get to a Sex Pistols gig in Finsbury Park. So, Did you actually, during the tournament? Yeah, after the wow. Spain game on the Sunday, wow. which was really good. Yeah, I mean, you give everyone the day off. And in those days, 
things were a little bit more relaxed than they are now for players, yeah, you know, yeah. like myself could go there and, and just blend in a little bit where I'm not so sure the boys can do that as readily nowadays, you know. Gazza used to go fishing and Dave Seaman, they yeah. enjoyed fishing. I think Ian Walker went with them as well. So I always loved the environment of being involved in a, in a training camp. I never, ever got bored. I used to love it, whether it be a film club, whether it be a game of cards, whatever yeah. it was, I could always amuse myself. Brilliant, Stuart. It's been fascinating to hear your insight and let's hope for a positive outcome for England on Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. My pleasure. Fingers crossed. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I'm delighted to say joining me on the official England podcast is a man who at club level quite simply won the lot and for his country was capped 78 times, 34 of which has capped in six goals as well. He was a key member of England's golden generation. It is, of course, John Terry. JT, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, mate? Smithy, pleasure, mate. First thing I've got to say is, I mean, I, I sort of alluded to all that you achieved. I can see what a background that is. I mean, I've got a few Sunday League trophies behind me, but you've just got a plethora of awards behind you. Unbelievable. It's a good start, mate. Good opening to the show in it with the England caps and talking England so uh, yeah very proud it's brilliant now of course uh, we're all gearing up to the England Germany game there's so much excitement but I, I feel like I want to start by talking to you about a bit about your England career because you obviously played for so many years 78 caps in total so what was that like playing for England and captaining England it just must have been a boyhood dream that well I think it's the ultimate for every kind of player I know we all kind of say coming into it you know playing for for your club but the country's the ultimate and leading the team out obviously being captain is the ice on the cake and something I dreamed of as a boy I'd watched obviously big tournaments Tony Adams those type of players you know giving their all in the national anthem and and obviously wearing um wearing the heart on their sleeve and giving everything for our country and I love that side of it as well so to, to be able to do it at the very top level was um was something I'm very proud of you obviously achieved so much in your career at Chelsea, but where do those moments, for, for for example, making your debut for England, where does that rank amongst everything you achieved? I mean, I think because because I spent so long at Chelsea, obviously the, the trophies and what I won there are right up there. Mm. But, you know, it's England is the ultimate, you know, the yeah. pinnacle of everything. Champions League is obviously massively high in my uh, my honours and, and those kind of bits. But playing for my country is the, is the dream of everyone, you know, it's... It's why we all start the game. We don't start for the trophies or the money or anything else. You start for the love of the country. And that's what I was able to do. So very proud to do it because, like I say, as a kid, that's all I wanted to do over the park with my mates was play for my country. And very lucky to do so many times. 
Yeah, it's class. And for me, looking at it from the outside, you epitomise someone who put your body on the line. I was at a game uh, in the World Cup in South Africa. I think it was against Slovenia. I don't know if you remember this, but you went, you were on the floor and you went to clear the ball. With, you went face first. That, that, that's sort of how much you put your body on the line. Where did that sort of passion and that motivation come from? Because you were a very passionate player every time you pulled on the England shirt, weren't you? Yeah, I think just giving everything, you know, whether that was school football or anything else, I think... You know, even getting in the car with my dad after games, if I kind of shied away from a tackle, I'd get a clip round the ear or those kind of bits. Really? Having my kind of dad in the background of, of kind of growing up. But when you see the likes of Brian Robson, Paul Ince, Tony Adams, yeah. you know, playing for their country, giving everything, you know, supporters live for that. And being a defender, listen, midfielders and strikers are different. They live for goals and passes and creating opportunities. But for me, I love taking one, you know, full in the face or in the chest. You know, and taking it square, you know, it's something that I, I talk to, to the defenders at Villa about of being uh, very honest, but knowing your role as well, that that's part of the, uh, the responsibility of a defender. So that was a big part of my game. Yeah, and you, of course, played in that golden generation I mean, the players that you played alongside for England, f- phenomenal. Did you feel like there was a lot of pressure amongst that group of players, given the talent that you had in that squad? I did slightly because with, I think we all dominated across Europe for many years. As well. So yeah. going into tournaments... There was obviously big pressure on us to go and do well. Um, listen, who knows? Nobody can ever put a finger on on why we didn't. I think we're all still kind of scratching our heads when we look back at those old kind of photos with the likes of, you know, Skulls, Lamp, Stevie, Michael Owen, Rooney. You know, the list could go yeah. on. It, incredible players, but we just didn't click. And that's what I love about this kind of, this generation. I've seen ex-players kind of talk about kind of because the rivalry was that big. I think this... This generation of players are very different. I think they've got a very good togetherness away from England, but also you can see that in the England games as well. So I think with that with that fearlessness that they've got as well and, and the togetherness they've got, I think it really serves them well. Yeah, it's a really good point. I was looking at your body language there when you were talking about you know not winning a trophy. Thing. I, mean, I imagine you can't have many regrets because I can see the trophies and the caps behind you. I mean, you had an unbelievable career. But does that still, do you still think about that then, that, that England came so close and... and, and does that upset you a little bit that you weren't able to, to lift the trophy with England? Yeah, absolutely kills me still. And I think anyone who says differently, does it? yeah, it does, yeah. I think anyone who's, who says differently will be lying as well. And I think naturally wow. it's, it's okay, kind of, yeah, I was very successful, many more successful than me at other bigger clubs. But as well, it's like those ones that kind of got away, you know, Champions Leagues for me, FA Cup finals and Premier Leagues that you lose out on. But you literally, you're lucky if you get those opportunities with England because they do come around every two, four years and you have to time your form, your fitness, all of those side of it has to come into it as well. So, again, like I said, it's the ultimate and you kind of want to obviously be and leave a legacy, don't you, behind. And unfortunately, we didn't do it. So I think the whole country is obviously behind everyone at the minute and, and hoping that this, this generation can do it for us. Yeah, let's speak about England then now. I want to get your assessment of England's three performances so far. Three clean sheets, top of the group. A lot of positives, I presume, to take from England's first three performances. Yeah, loads of positives uh, for me. Obviously, you know, getting through the group is massive. It's a start. I, I didn't think, I know there was a lot of hype around the Croatia game. I didn't think we was at our best. I thought we started the game well, but we kind of tied off a little bit. Uh, and the Scotland game was okay for me, wasn't great. Um, you know, and, and the Czech game after that was was a little better. But I'm hoping, and I always felt that as the kind of tournament went on, you kind of find your feet, your fitness, the heat. Um, we're not used to playing in these temperatures as well, so it's um, all those little things can make a big difference. I know it probably sounds a little a little weird, but 
Um, I like what we're doing, and I think we're not even hit the ground yet with 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 the level of performance that we can we can turn out. Yeah, I want to ask you about a few of the players. Obviously, Jack Grealish. Uh, so many England fans uh, absolutely adore Jack Grealish. You know him so well, obviously, with your role at Aston Villa. How impressed have you been with him? And just sort of give us an insight into, into how good a player he is. Bearing in mind that you see him on a daily basis in training. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I know everyone likens him to to Gascoigne. Yeah, he, he's. Again, you talk about players wanting the ball. Jack would take the ball and gets the ump with players and coaches. In tra- if you've got three or four players around him in a game, he still demands the ball. You know, in really tight areas, tight situations. And I've seen, I think we all have over the years, that big players kind of shy away from from wanting the ball and, and those kind of bits in big games. I look at him, I look at Sterling, I look at Foden, Mount. They've all got such big personalities and Jack's probably the biggest for me. So, you know can only talk positives about him and how lucky we are to have him at Villa. But I'd love to obviously see him in the in the England shirt because I really think moving forward in the competition, he can isolate people and, 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 and even drag another player across as well with him making a 2v1. Yeah, he loves his football, doesn't he? I know it sounds like a silly thing to say, but I did the um, squad announcement up in Middlesbrough with him and he was just saying how he watches videos of Gascoigne, he watches videos of Rooney. Like He's, he's always looking to improve. Do you find that in training? Is he, is he often asking you about your experiences with England and, 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 and asking you for advice and things like that? Yeah, constantly kind of picking the brains of not only me, but obviously the coaching staff and the management. But we have obviously debriefs after games and stuff. And literally, we could finish a game at 10 o'clock at night as, as coaching staff, we'd watch the game again. You'd come in the meeting in the morning, then you'd show, you know, opportunities and Jack would go, yeah, but how about that one in the 15th minute when that happened? You know, his knowledge and and insight in the game is incredible. He watches everything at every level. He obviously has the Bruyne at the the very top for him. He loves what he does and and loves to replicate that, which is a great example, both on and off the pitch for him to have as well. But like I say, he's a super footballer and uh, I'm really hoping he's going to be in the team. Yeah, another player you must be really pleased for is, is Tyrone Mings. Because I imagine you were a bit of a role model to him, bearing in mind you played in that position. So how pleased were you with, with him getting in the squad and also doing a great job when he when he um, started the games as well? Well, I think I always knew that once Tyrone got in that, that Gareth and Steve would really like him, the personality that he is and what he brings to the squad as well. Um, very solid, uh, very quick, naturally left-footed as well, which we're not blessed with at, at centre-back as well. So he gives a, a different proposition there as well. But... You know, he's been a superb defender for us this year. In England, I think probably him as well, knowing that um, it would be between him and John Stones who would play, knowing that Harry would be the number one. And um, Harry's back to full fitness now. So unfortunately for Tyrone, he drops out. But two clean sheets mm. in a big tournament, I think Tyrone would have taken that at the start of the, uh, of the season for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to ask you about every single player, but one other player I did want to ask you about following on from, I saw an Instagram live you did where you spoke with such praise about Mason Mount saying that you think he'd end up being captain for both club and country. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on how impressed you are with him as a talent. Yeah, I love Mace. I love what he's about as well. He's the type of player you want kind of 11, 11 of him in your team, don't you? You know, he's work ethic, yeah. how he is as a person. Um, you know, I think at the time when I done my my Instagram live, he was getting a bit of stick, and so was Frank for kind of playing in you know that teacher's pet, and he's always playing. But yeah. you know, having seen him coming through the ranks, even being around the, the football club back in the day when I was there, he was just such a good character and such a big personality that even at Derby, when you see him at Derby, how well he done, you know, the the responsibility that he takes and and the way he's performed at the top level all the way through to the Champions League this year has been incredible. So. Absolutely delighted for him because he's a great kid as well. I wanted to get your thoughts on on just the, the squad as a whole. Really, I'd pick you up on something you said earlier about how that the togetherness and it's something that I found speaking to the guys that there really seems to be 
great team spirit and camaraderie. And, and a lot of the players said even little things like they sit with different players for breakfast each day. Are, are you sensing that as well with this squad, that there's, there's a real togetherness and, and, and a lot of credit has to go to Gareth Southgate for Yeah, that. I think what Gareth and, Gareth and Steve have created there has been incredible. And I think some of his selections in the squad show that as well. But, you know, you get the old players on TV commentating, going, oh, we don't like to see him hugging and talking after games and that side of it. But I actually love what we're about. And, you know, there was big rivalry when, when we played, obviously, Man U, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, West Ham. We was all there and we kind of hated each other Monday to, to Saturday. Then we was supposed to meet up for an England game and all of a sudden be, be loving each other. I think this generation are completely different to what we are. And we have to respect that and love what they're about. And I really do. I think it can, I think it can serve us well. Uh, right, let's talk England versus Germany. I don't know if you know this, but it is actually 11 years to the day since that Frank Lampard goal that was disallowed against Germany in 2010. I'm still absolutely fume-boat about that now. Does that still wind you up to this yeah. day? Because, I mean, how is that not Yeah, given? I've not even watched the game again because I just can't. No, I have can't, you not? I can't get my head around. No, even at the time, obviously, I'm furthest away. I'm at the back. I'm going, that's over yeah. the line 100%. Yeah, so genuinely, you could still you could see that from the centre back. It was over the line. You know, wow. obviously, you come in at half time, and you see that that could have changed the game completely. You know, and like I said before, you yeah. get those opportunities and chances, and luck plays a big part in it as well. And unfortunately for us, I went against Definitely. us. But yeah, hundred percent the goal, wasn't it? Yeah, incredible. I'm I'm angry even yeah. asking you that question. Sorry I'm to bring angry. it up again. It was such oh god, such a, one of those moments. Um, you, you played in a lot of big England v Germany games. So just give us an insight into what those matches were like, and does it have that? Derby feel that you had at sort of club level. Yeah, a little, a little hostile, of course, depending on the situation. Played in a couple yeah. of friendlies uh, myself, and um, I, I think tournament football is very different. I think the rivalry it gets notched up uh, to a different level, and I think we'll see that in the game as well. I've said before about how we can get better and better as a, as the tournament goes on. I really think this is a this is a test for us because I think they've got a lot of experience and, and probably a touch more over us. So. Talking about how young and energetic and kind of fearless we are, I think they've got the other side where they've got some real experienced players in their group that could, that could yeah. you know, cause us problems, I think. Yeah, I mean, Tony Cruz was part of uh, Joachim Lowe's 23-man squad for your last World Cup in 2010. He's still only 31, so it's a great point that you make. They do have a lot of experience, but I, I feel like this England team is quite fearless. Do you think that the youth on their side could actually be an advantage for England? Yeah, I really do, and I'd like to see us be a little bit more attacking, to be honest. Uh, and I, and I think and hope we will moving forward in the competition. I think Dex is so good um, as the holder. I think he can do two two jobs. And I think we've got so many options going forward, haven't we? You know, Raheem's been been superb so far. You got Jack. You got you know Saka done brilliant as well the other day. So the options are there to choose from. Even if we're bringing a Jack on or a Saka or Sterling's coming on, you know, it's a great problem to have. So uh, let's see what Gareth picks. But I, I really do think we can cause these problems, especially with them playing three at the back. I think we can cause problems down their, down their right side for me. JT, what have you made of Germany in this tournament? Because we've spoken to a few German football experts and they were saying that they're, they're quite unpredictable. A lot of the German press are saying that they never know what sort of Germany team are going to turn up. What, what have you made of Germany in this tournament? Well, I really liked them in the group stage, if I'm honest. I thought it was very yeah. good. And then their last game, I thought they was probably very disappointing. So pretty much what, what their own players are saying, um, own ex-players are saying that they are kind of up and down. But... I thought they were very good in the group, very aggressive. I think they're a threat going forward as well. And like I say, with that, that added experience in the group as well, if you catch them on a good day, I think it, it'll be a tough a tough game for us. But I genuinely believe we're going to have too much from on paper, whether that's over 90 minutes or, or in extra time. But I think we'll have enough to move forward for sure. 
I love the fact you said ninety minutes or extra time. I don't think I could have taken it if you said penalties there. I, I know that we, I know that we've done a right of penalties recently, but I think England fans, when we hear penalties, we get a bit nervous. Um, one thing I wanted to say to you is the amount of ex-players that I've spoken to who played with you that used to always say what an unbelievable leader and how vocal you were. So, if you could walk into the dressing room and speak to these boys, and a lot of the players listen to this podcast, what, what would your message be to the England players going into this game? You know what? Don't listen to us older players. Just do what you. <laughs> I, I do. I think the game's evolved. I think it's moved on a bit. You know, we, everyone talks about the kind of millennials and they're different now and other kind of bits. Yeah. But I love, I love what the young kids are about nowadays. So listen, we didn't get it right. We tried our best and gave everything. I, I can assure people that we gave our absolute all in every game yeah. and competition. But what these players have is loads of ability. Probably not as many leaders within the group, but we had loads of that in in our era. So. Didn't serve us too well. I just think they're a really good bunch, and and like I say, with with huge quality. And if I was on the opposition side playing against England, I'd be very fearful coming into it. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, a couple of light-hearted ones to end it. I've been asking all the players uh, the last month what they've been doing in their downtime because there's a lot of activities at St George's Park. Uh, what were you doing in your downtime and your teammates uh, when you were playing for England? What kind of things were you up to? <laughs> we weren't allowed to do too much. We weren't allowed to play. Well, no. Were you not? Um, a lot of money did. It's only Steve McLaren let us play golf, but Fabio didn't let us play golf. And you'd look out the window, he was there on the right. golf course playing himself. And he was like, what? Really? <laughs> we was, we'd play a little, a little wow. bit of kind of computer, PlayStation against each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit of golf when we was allowed or, you know, just floating about the, the hotel for a coffee, really, but nothing too much. It was quite strict, actually, back in the day. So um, yeah, it wasn't great, yeah. if I'm honest, being around the hotels. I've seen you play golf. You're decent. Have you seen um, Saka's attempt at golf? Did you see that doing the rounds on Instagram? Absolutely horrendous, wasn't it? <laughs> Great player, but obviously his strengths on the football yeah. pitch, not golf. Uh, and the other thing I've learned is that England have a pre-match playlist and every player has a different song. So I'm just intrigued to know, because I've seen a few of your initiations. They've been very entertaining. What, what was JT's pre-match song to get him motivated back in the day? You know what? I was all different. Probably, probably on the way to the game, I'd be a little bit of Luther Lionel on the way. Yeah, yeah but then on, once I get dressed really? room, it's wow. yeah, I want a little bit more tempo in it. So it could either be garage or the latest right. kind of chat and that kind of Love bit. It. But I was well away from the uh, from the DJ, don't worry. You're gonna give us a bit of Luther now? Gonna... <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> Fair enough. Final question. Can we get a score prediction from former England captain for all of the England fans listening? Score prediction. How do you think it's gonna go? I'm gonna go one all ninety minutes, two one England. Love that. I'll take that all day on. JT, absolute pleasure to speak to you, top man, and I appreciate your time, mate. Cheers, Smithy. Thanks a lot, mate. You're listening to the official England podcast. Yeah, it was a real pleasure to chat to two England legends in Stuart Pearce and John Terry. They were both on great form, weren't they? We do hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode and we hope it provided you with your daily Three Lions fix to put you in a good mood ahead of kickoff. Tonight's game is certainly a big one, so let's all get behind Gareth Southgate and the boys and remind them just how proud we are to support this talented group of players. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. I'll be back tomorrow, hopefully after a win, with more exclusive interviews and all the updates from the England camp. And for the most important time yet on this podcast since we started recording, all that is left for me to say on behalf of the entire nation is see you tomorrow, stay safe, and come on England! England!